just for something different, Mick Gurren is going to join us now, and we're going to talk New Zealand Trotting Cup. Dan Malecki's also with us, Mick. Now, last week you said the barrier draw is going to be so important. If one of either Swayze or Akuta draws the front, it's going to be major. But if they both draw the back line, it would seem fitting, and that's exactly what's happened. You had the crystal ball out, and... How do you see it now, Mick? Is it a matter of can Cam Hart get ahead of a cooter and get around and get to the front? Is that so important? Yeah, it's sort of flip of a coin. Good, good morning to you, Toby, to all your listeners. Great to be joining Dan again, one of my mates. I don't get a chance to do radio very often with yeah. Dan. Yeah. But um, no, look, I, think, I think everybody's of the same opinion. I, I think the form's so exposed, fellas, that everybody sort of knows what to expect. We just don't know which version of it's going to turn up. And I think it's pretty basic. They'll start, the race will go the first couple of hundred, everybody will work themselves out in a standing start. It's basically impossible to work out who that will be, but you're thinking maybe Mossdale, Ben, or Kango would eventually end up in front. And somebody out of Swayze and Akuta is going to launch first. And you would think with the respect they've got on either side of the Tasman and the scalps they have, and the quite long tail to this cup, because there's no copy that and no self-assured, whichever one of them comes knocking first, she'll get the lead. And that won't guarantee them the race, but it's a horse you'll probably want to be on about a mile from home. So there might be some other theories, but I think about 90% of people are going to be betting on that, and then they're going to say to themselves, who's more likely to get away better Flip of a coin, really, but to a degree, Akuda has a lot more standing start experience, and you would suggest he should handle it, albeit he does step and tends to be a little bit slow, so we know that about him. But we have absolutely no idea what to expect from Swayze. He could be the fastest standing start horse in history, or he could be the worst standing start horse in history, and we simply don't know. Do you think the second row helps him, Dan? Yeah. Swayze? Yeah. Well, maybe because he's got something else to follow. I Look, um, it's a tough ask. It's pretty daunting, isn't it? Um, Mick, you know, I've seen enough of those races live and even horses that traditionally have been more reliable stand-start horses can miss away. The moment can get to them. There's a lot of people, um, you know, Swayze. Uh, look, he, he, like you said, the, the, the book... Um, the bookends are a long way apart or the goalposts are a long way apart. He could do anything from, you know, gallop wildly to beginning like a bullet. And just because he hasn't had that experience doesn't mean he can't begin like a bullet. It's a long way to go if you didn't think he could. Um, but then again, the ho- whichever horse is in front of the other would be the advantage, I imagine. Say 2,000 metres from home, whichever one of the two is in front of the other would be the horse you'd want to be on. Would that be right, Mick? I think very much so, Dan, because they're both so strong. But when you see these horses race week in, week out, and as we see with all the free-for-allers in Melbourne, often they're won by different horses because there's not much between them. But that hasn't been the case with these two. These two just turn up and win. Uh, and I think, you know, is clearly better than the other New Zealand horses. So if he gets the front, I don't think be, he'll be there to be run down. I, I can't see him being beat front. Swayze, we don't know enough about the opposition around him because apart from beating Leap to Fame, he, he hasn't really beaten much else, but he did beat Leap to Fame and beat him fair and square with him front. So my concern for Swayze is not about his ability. Uh, and, and him rolling to the front, yes, he becomes the horse to beat. 
But barrier two on the second line is really claustrophobic. And no matter how much he, he might be fine with it, um, a lot of people look at standing starts and go, who are they following out? And that almost never works. Like when you're stuck from the second line of the standing start, it's incredibly rare you follow out the horse in front of you, get a dream run through, and it's great. What you want to do is have a nice little pod in front of you. You want to have two horses, maybe the two and three, or in Akuta's case, the four and the five, who will go through and punch and create a gap for you rather than coming back in your face. Because you're not just going to sit on the back of another sulky and just follow that horse through. That just never works. It might work occasionally in a mobile, but not standing starts. Hey. The problem for him is he, he's going to get down there and have BD Joe inside him, who doesn't often... I don't think BD Joe's suited to one on the second line. I think it's a bad draw for him. And all of a sudden, he's got horses around him and in front of him, and he's not the master of his own destiny. Whereas a Cooter's only got one horse outside it, and he's not a horse who's going to be leaning on him and being a pain in the ass. He's not that sort of horse. Mm. So the Cooter's got more escape hatches if he needs to go outside or inside. Swayze's pretty much going to have to take what he gets around him, and that's away from his own manners. The hop will shortness go in him because he's a very long-striding horse. So if you took all the logic into play in the records, you would suggest... Akuta is more likely to step efficiently, but that's a guessing game, guys. And, and that's, look, that's tough for punters. People have their own views on standing starts. The New Zealand Cup's never going to be a mobile, and it's a great race as a standing start. And maybe that uncertainty adds to it, and that's why you're getting, you know, sort of each a two, 2.5, depending on where you shop, because we don't know what's going to happen, and, and maybe that makes the New Zealand Cup the race it is. How important is Majestic Cruiser to all of this, Mick? And it sounds strange because he's not in the race, but he ran second last year, trained by Jason Grimson, and I'm sure he would have learned a lot from that experience. Yeah, like they've been here. I always want to back people who have been here and done that. Mm. I think Cameron Hart's really important. I think if it was one of those old-school Australian drivers from back in the day who only knew one way when they used to send them all, that's a bloody hard way to win a New Zealand Cup. But Cameron Hart has won major races in New Zealand, but he's also run second in the New Zealand Cup, a New Zealand free-for-all, and a race by Grins. And each time he drove the horse patiently. So he has the options to handle big track driving better than, say, maybe some of the drivers in the old days. Um, so I think Cameron's crucial to it. Jason would have learnt a bit. Jason's horses, when they're in form, just seem to run through brick walls and can do absolutely anything and they very, really run placings. They either win or they go terrible. That's, that's, I watch a lot of an angle harness racing, and there's a lot, it's like binary code. There's a lot of 101010 about it. So he could come out and win the New Zealand Cup by three lengths, and I wouldn't be surprised. He could gallop away and finish last, and I wouldn't be surprised. And there's no disrespect to that. Rock and roll dude did it last year, and Courage Under Fire once came to New Zealand for an Auckland Cup standing start, galloped away and never took part in the race because it's such a massive disadvantage for Australian horses because they don't do it very often. He could finish, as Dan said, as a booking statement, first or last, and neither thing would surprise me. Yeah. Dan? Um, where, where, where if Akuda, just, just, just go back, where if Akuda yeah. finished last, 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, Mark and uh, Nathan Purden uh, teaming up together, but when was the last time they've only had one horse in a, in a New Zealand Cup? Um, mind you, it's a pretty good horse to have, but I want to get your perhaps your tip on the New Zealand Cup, and there's a few other races I want to ask you about, Mick. I just wonder if the best horse racing on the day is a filly, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, the two horse, a Republican Party has defeated... Um, Akuda before it's a four-year-old as well. Um, Old Town Road we know and know pretty well. It, it must be capable of winning this race, and and a new horse that's in the scene. I, I, look, I don't know how good it is, but it's the other four-year-old, and that is Beach Ball. Yeah, well, Beach, Beach Ball's got no chance, but he he's in form, so he could run top five. Um, Republican Party has beaten Akuta when things have suited him to beat Akuta. Doesn't mean he can't win again, but I'm not sure two miles is his go. He's my third pick in the race because he's well prepared and he'll be well driven by Blair Orange. Old Town Roads had ringworm this week and it's been in his hopple areas, giving him hopple chafe. Now, he missed the cup trial because of that. They've treated it and he worked this morning at Addington in 3 5, quarter and 26. So he needed that blowout. That's a lot quicker than you would usually work them in New Zealand for that sort of last, second last hoppled run. But I think they're going to drive him for speed. Uh, I don't think they can afford to be roughing and tumbling with him because he's not ready to do that. So there are factors. Um, I actually think it is a nice enough place bet in the race, if you're mm-hmm. that sort of person. Tango's mm-hmm. $8 a place. Well, Tango's not as good as these, and it was terrible in Victoria, but plenty of horses don't handle racing in either countries. Mac Dan come to New Zealand and couldn't run past a horse, and it's a very proficient horse in Australia. Mm. Tango suits New Zealand. He suits New Zealand starts. He's very big. He could potentially lead and hand to one of those other horses, and there's not much between Kango and the other horses Dan just spoke about. So if he's sitting in the trail, yes, he can be a factor. So I'm not saying he's going to win the race because he won't, but he could run top four, top three type thing, Kango. Um, To talk about those other races, it's a very strong support card. It's one of the stronger New Zealand Cup support cards we've had away from the trotters. The trotters these days aren't as big a deal because they've taken the free-for-all off there and put it in December, which is probably okay because I don't think they want to go free-for-all Dominion three days apart. But Millwood Nike's the filly Dan's talking about. She's up against Maintra Blue, who's also unbeaten the Neverly R final. The two-year-old boys are really strong. Um, The Purden Barn versus the other Purden Barn because Cole Chisel is in there, and he's he's a really good horse. and we've got Merlin versus Don't Stop Dreaming, who are yeah. both three-year-olds preparing for the New Zealand Derby. They're taking on the older horses, but um, the older horses are taking on probably aren't as good as them, and they've also got the outside two draws. What's happened, guys, is all day the arch rivals, the match race horses, have all drawn second lines from outside of the front. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to make for a bloody good day because you put a lot of those horses at barrier two or three and one on the second line, you've got a dollar thirty versus six dollars. As it is now, is Merlin don't stop dreaming at two point seven versus two point eight. And I think punters like that because once they've made their decision, or even if they're someone like me who likes to be big and make a book for themselves, I'd be more than comfortable having a decent bet on both those horses because one of them's going to win and I'm going to get 35% profit on my money or 40% profit on my money. I'd be totally comfortable with that. But for those who don't like to be it that way, you've got the option all day, even on Millwood Nike, who's usually $1.5, $1.10, you've got the option to back it at $2. 
because it's drawn the outside of the second line. So I think it's a really good punter's day, guys. And it's a day where if you're willing to be smart and and not believe in fairy tales and take horses who are going to be up against the market pegs, you can make good money. Millwood, Nike, uh, 15 starts, 15 wins. So you're led to believe this is the female version of a courage under fire when they've got a record like that. But um, how, how good is she? Or is it the bunch of three-year-olds she's up against, are they not good enough? Or is she spectacular? Because for a horse with such a record outside of New Zealand, you know, we really haven't heard a lot about her. It's a funny thing, Dan. It, it, the media's become two vastly different things between Australia and New Zealand. And, and I, I absolutely get it. And we're seeing more of it come into play in New Zealand now because Ntain have taken over. Like, a lot of Australian racing coverage is very cartoonish. And it's good fun. I enjoy it. I, I totally understand it. I was watching some of the Twitter feeds the other day and the TOB's putting out stuff of, you know, pretty blonde girls who play football tipping their horse in the next race because it, it gets a lot of guys. They want to watch it and they'll have a bet. I totally understand it. But what's happened is, is now any horse in Australia who wins five races, like we saw with Captain Ravishing yesterday, who got his ass kicked at Yarra Valley, they've become the best horse in the world. And we, we have these problems of filling this stuff up because there's no... Everybody's too scared to say, that's not true. Whereas in New Zealand, there's a far bigger stick walking around. Like we don't put up with that shit. And if someone said to me, this is the greatest three-year-old filly ever, we'd say, no, that's not true. Because she's not as good as a door me. But what you find with the New Zealand horses is, if Millwood Nike was living in Australia, she would be the greatest horse ever. If she was living in Perth, she might be the greatest animal ever. <laughs> but but people, in New Ze- people in New Zealand don't put up with that crap. Um, and, the, and the reason we don't put up with it, now, I, I take it really seriously, is because it's disrespectful to adore me or courage under fire or all these other horses. I heard a caller recently say at the Valley, and it wasn't, I'd say at, at Manantra, and it wasn't you, Dan, because you've been down too long for this shit. But I heard someone say that Mary's Idol was the greatest equine ever born. Better than Secretariat. Yeah. And no one seems to check it. It's, it's become a very Australian thing. I don't know why. I think it's the bookies. I think it's because the bookies have so much power over there. And it's just a game of hype. Bet with mates, I'm going to yell at the TV, I'm going to yell at Twitter, and everybody's going to believe me. Mm. Now, Millwood Nike's really good. And Mark Purden told me last week she might win the derby if she starts. She's not going to because she's in the Oaks. But the two cultures of racing have enormously changed. And I spent a lot of time at Ascot in Europe, and they have really good horses race up there, but you don't see that same thing. Yet in America and Australia, that beatification of horses has become completely out of control. Now, it started with Captain Ravishing, who hasn't won a race, hasn't won a race since it was declared the best horse in the world. And then it started with poor old League to fame, and he's been beaten in three of his last four starts. And what you do is you piss people off because the punters bet on this information and go, oh, well, that bloke Kieran or Hamilton or whoever, Maleki, they said this is the best horse in the world and just got beat at $1.20. And it's, it's something I don't know how you control it. I don't know how we go back to it. I've spoken to guys like Daddy Power, the old school horseman about it. But it's become such a thing now, this race to call this the best in the world or that terrible, terrible term, the GOAT, which is the most overused, ridiculous yeah. term in the world. Because people use it for both Damien Oliver and James McDonald. They can't both be the GOAT. That's actually not what that means. And I, I think it's the bookies. I absolutely do, because there's so many channels of information. So to answer your question, Millwood Nike, if she was an Australian horse, would be declared an absolute superstar off the planet. But she's not yet, because she hasn't proven she is. 
And she hasn't proven she's better than Adore Me, who had a very similar record at the same age. So that's why you haven't heard much about it, Dan, because over here, nonsense gets clobbered a lot quicker because we only have one or two streams of information. Whereas in Australia, when you have 100 streams of information and you have some 19-year-old kid tipping your horse, that 19-year-old kid has to say something to get his name up in light. They have to because it's so hard to get over the top of Ron Duffercy or Michael Felgate or whoever else your expert is. And it's, um, I'm really stringent on it because I don't think we should disrespect Farlap or we shouldn't disrespect Secretariat. And I love Mary's Idol, but the first time someone tells me Mary's Idol is better than Farlap or Secretariat, I just turn off. Mick, yeah. uh, we've we got to keep moving along, and that was the greatest segment of all time, and you are the best correspondent ever, Mick. Um, the goat. <laughs> the greatest in the world. Um, <laughs> those, those Dan and those Matt Hill, as you know these days, gentlemen, there's a lot of goats floating around. It's a big paddock full of goats. Yeah, no, you, you're totally right there. Um, you you got you just got to stop and think every now and then. You can get caught up. Um, uh, using uh, uh, almost like peer group pressure, yeah, saying things that people want to hear as opposed to um, calling it correctly. We need a winner or two. I know you're the man and you're still a few days away from um, the, the big big race day. Is there anything else through the course of the day uh, that you yep. got, could suggest got, we have something on? Nice and easy, Dan, to, 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 to digest easily. Markets are open. Play these. Race two, Charlie Brown. Race two, Charlie Brown. Race three, confessional. Race three, confessional. And with a little bit of a manners concern, but she can trot like hell, race 10, Elizabeth Hill. A cooter in the cup, as best I can work it out. I don't really think I know any more than anybody else does when it comes to the cup. I think Merlin can beat Don't Stop Dreaming. But if you go Charlie Brown, confessional, Elizabeth Hill, and a cooter and play around those, Dan, I don't reckon you'll do too much damage to yourself on Tuesday. <laughs> okay. if, if there's any damage done, it's not because I've taken your tips. <laughs> hey, the goat, man. <laughs> he is the goat. There's plenty of goats out there, Dan. You can take whoever's tips you want, brother. <laughs> Mick Gurren is the goat. So those tips are race two, number six, Charlie Brown. This is for Tuesday Cup Day. And I'll recap these next Tuesday for anyone listening. Race two, number six, Charlie Brown. Race three, number five, Confessional. Race ten, number seven, Elizabeth Hill. And Mick is pinning his hopes to Akuda, the Kiwi. So in that case, we'll be going Toby, Swayze. If you're there- if you're there Tuesday, brother, I'll be here at Addington. Give us a ring. I'd love to talk to everybody. As you know, the uh, the ECNZ audience is a very important part of our life. So we'll be rocking and rolling for there on Tuesday. If you want some atmosphere, we'll yep. have a chat. Yep, we'll tee that up in the in the meantime, Mick. Thanks so much, mate. Love love the chat as always. Always a pleasure, boys.